Welcome to The Lawyerist Podcast, a series of discussions with entrepreneurs and innovators about building a successful law practice in today's challenging and constantly changing legal market. Lawyerist supports attorneys building client-centered and future-oriented small law firms through community, content, and coaching, both online and through The Lawyerist Lab. And now, from the team that brought you the Small Firm Roadmap and your podcast hosts. Hi, I'm Stephanie Everett. And I'm Ashley Steckler. And this is episode 432 of the Lawyerist Podcast, part of the Legal Talk Network. Today, Stephanie interviews our lab coach, Bernadette, about moving her business and her life to Mexico. Today's show is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists, Gavel, and Clio. We wouldn't be able to do the show without their support. So stay tuned because we're going to tell you more about them later on. So Stephanie, our new book is out. It's released. It's in print. Yay. It's beautiful. I'm so excited. It's it's a labor of love when you see that. And then you also get scared because you're like, oh, what what typo or what mistake is somebody going to find? Yes. Going over and over and over and over again. It does. It looks great. It's highly revised. There's some new structure, a new way to think about it. And um, we've got some shifts happening in the book. Yeah, for sure. We kind of we included a forward where Aaron and I sort of set out why we decided now was the right time to do a second version and to give a little preview of of what's changed and why, you know, what what the differences are. Good news, both the forward and the introduction are available on our website. You can read those for free without buying the book. And I do think it gives you a good lens into what we're doing with this new edition, which really is more than just like changing a few sentences. A lot of the concepts are are the same, but it really is a whole new book. And like you said, part of that is around this idea of a healthy law firm. So a few years ago when we rebranded Lawyerist, we also introduced the concept of a healthy firm and what are the components of a healthy firm. And that's really now how the book is structured. And of course, it's a great tie-in to today's talk with Bernadette because the last part of having a healthy business is a healthy owner. I mean, really, it's the first part too. It's a circle because they're all they're all interrelated. There's there's no steps, but certainly what's the point if we're killing ourselves to do it? Yeah, absolutely. And so thinking through when we have all of those pieces balanced and aligned, those also support a healthy owner. Yeah. And so I think today's story is a good one. I love what Bernadette did with her life and how she built a business that allowed her to do it. And now she's able to run her business from a new place. So check it out. I think you'll, it just captures a big part of what we're trying to convey in the book is that there's new ways to do this. And it's really fun and exciting and healthy. And that's, I don't know, isn't that what it should all be about? Yeah, I can't wait to hear how she decided what that looks like for her because it's very exciting. Yeah. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Bernadette. So, hey, I'm Bernadette L. Harris. I'm the finance coach here at Lawyers. And as always, I am always excited when I get to come back to be a guest on the podcast. And we are excited to talk to you because you have some big news that you get to finally share with the world. Yes, it's been a huge secret for way too long. (laughs) 
but I left the United States. Yeah. So you're living in Mexico now. Yeah. So I am living in Mexico and have been living in Mexico at this time of about seven months. And it's been an adventure. We'll definitely talk about all of that and more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm so excited to talk about this and I love this story and I love that you did it. So let me take you back to when did this first even become an idea that you thought, you know, take us back to like why you decided to move and and what was some of the thoughts behind making this big change? So I was that person who was spending Sundays watching House Hunters, House Hunters International, My Mexico Life, all of those shows on HGTV. Like I'm not a big TV person, but I need HDTV because I was watching all the shows and it was something in the back of my mind, probably now for like the last 10 years. At some point, I want to not necessarily retire because I don't really see my personality really fitting the whole retired model. But at some point, I want to live in another country just so that I could slow down. So that's probably the first entrance in my mind. Every time I go on vacation, I'm always thinking, could I live here? Could I live here? You know, but in 2021, March of 2021, so about a year after the pandemic, I got diagnosed with hypertension. Yeah. And this was a huge wake up call for me. Well, let me take that back because initially it was a wake up call. But it wasn't big enough because I didn't do anything immediately. <laughs> so let's just, you know, I'm going to be honest about that. But leading up to that, the pandemic was stressful for everyone in multiple ways, for multiple reasons. And for me, being an accountant, the pandemic was stressful because it forced tax compliance. So we got like this huge influx of people who needed to file tax returns so they could get stimulus checks or they needed to, to get financials done so that they could get EIDL or whatever. It was just all of these things, the economic development that came from COVID and COVID relief all kind of pointed back to us as accountants. And so we got slammed. So we did not have the period of time where we were sitting at home um, figuring out how we we're going to remodel our living room or any <laughs> of that kind of stuff. <laughs> we were just, you know, like slammed with work. Yeah. So I think for me, with the additional demands that was on my life and my business, which were good for the bank account, but it was not good for my health because I wasn't eating right. I was sitting down all day long, 15 hours a day, you know, just not good, you know? So the diagnosis came in March, 2021. And I thought, Oh God, I have to take medication. That felt like the worst thing to me. Like I got to take medication but I did. And, you know, I kind of pushed through and and got through tax season because I had to get through tax season. I couldn't not get through tax season, or at least I thought. And then the tax season got extended and it was just so much. There yeah. was so much pressure on me. And I think at some point about September of 2021, I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown. Mm. Like, I literally thought like I was going to lose it. And I know, Stephanie, you and I've had conversations through and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, this is so much, you know, just trying to juggle all of these different things. Like I have to slow down. I have to pull back. I have to say no to some stuff. And so 
Mexico still wasn't on my mind in September, but I was like, I got to get some help. I got to do something. I started going to therapy and working with a counselor just to just figure out like, how do I manage distress? How do I set boundaries? All of these different things. And by February of 2022, I thought, yeah, these boundaries that I'm setting, they're, they're kind of helping, but no, they're not, you know, it's not. I really need something else. I need to move. Yeah. I need to live somewhere where it costs me a little bit less to live. I can step back from my business and take care of myself and not have to change my lifestyle significantly because, I mean, who wants to work really hard to build to a certain level 20 years into your business to have to go back to eating beans? Like nobody, you know, nobody really wants to do that. So, so I started researching and I was researching like, how, you know, I don't know. I had no idea where I was going to go. Mexico was not like the top of my list, but I knew I didn't want to go too far. Yeah. Because my daughter lives in the States. My parents live in the States. And if anything ever happened and I needed to get home really quickly, I didn't want to be flying for two days. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's the backstory of when I decided, like, I need to make a change. I need to do something different. Yeah. I'm sure everything you just described, like so many people listening right now have had those thoughts, have had that experience. And I think a lot of times, I mean, I've had the thought in my head that nothing's going to change unless I make a big move. Like it sometimes feels hard. It's really easy for us to say, just make small changes, just, you know, and for some people that really seems to work and other people need a big shift. And that's kind of what I'm hearing is that you tried some of the little things and it still really wasn't getting you where you need it to be. And so in order to really pull back and stop doing part of the business, I mean, you now, you kind of cut off one of the income streams from your business. You were doing tax prep and you, as part of this, you said, I don't want to do this type of work anymore. That's what's really stressful and killing me. Mm -hmm. But I got to realign things because in order to not have that income, I'm going to have, you know, and still not eat beans. Like you said, I got to make a big shift. And I just want to applaud that because it is hard to do. And I think there's lots of people who are probably listening right now saying that sounds great. And I know I need to do it. But and then here come all the things they're going to tell themselves why they could never do it. Why it wouldn't work for them. Why all the things. Right. That's what we do. And I just want to acknowledge that you probably had some of those thoughts as well, and you did it anyway. Yeah. And and I also did not tell a lot of people because I didn't need anybody reminding me of the scary things. Yeah. Because, yeah, it was scary and it was a huge risk. And what if, you know, and honestly, seven months in, I sometimes have days where I'm like, what the hell did you do? <laughs> you know, like, but... On those days, I promise every day that I get a little scared or I wonder if I did the right thing, then I get a new opportunity that is very much in line with the new direction that I'm going in. And it's always like always, always confirmation that I made the right decision in making that shift. And I'm not even I'm not even afraid to like talk numbers a little bit, but my tax prep business was a six figure line of business. Right. So I'm saying that because there's some lawyer that's listening and they're saying like, 
I can't do this because this is a huge line of my business. So for the last two to three years, I've been wanting to shift away so that tax prep wasn't such a large percentage of my business. And I have been. So I had been doing the things to create different lines of business and increase. You know, I know the, I'm an accountant. I know the percentages to, to the T, but we're not going <laughs> to talk about that. But, you know, like my goal was to get tax prep so that it was less than 50 percent of my income. So that when I do take this pay cut, it's not a 50 percent pay cut, but it was going to be significant. So I had been working, even though I didn't know that I would be leaving the country. I had been working to get tax prep to where it was not a huge, the largest percentage of my income. And I can remember a time when tax prep was probably 70% of my income, which I would not have been able to do that, you know, when it was that high. But the efforts that I had been making to make that switch also helped with that. Yeah. So for some people, it may not be something, oh, I'm going to do this in six months, but it is something conscious that you're doing to say, What are some of the things that you can do to shift in your practice so that your focus is on the the parts of your practice that you really enjoy? Yeah. You can get away from the stuff because we're all taking, you know, at some point in our business, we all took clients that we just didn't want to work with, but you have a mortgage, right? So you kind of take those clients. Yeah. So making that, making that shift and just saying, okay, I'm going to cut this whole line of income. It was hard. Yeah. That was really hard. One, making the decision. The decision was easy. Let me say that. The decision was easy. And when I said it out of my mouth, I felt something that I I hadn't felt before. Mm. The hard part was executing the decision. Right. Because now I have to tell 300 people or almost 400 people, I can't work with you anymore. Yeah. I know that was hard. But I bet when that final conversation was over, you also felt something that was pretty amazing. Like, okay, but I did it. I did it. I did it. You know, yeah, that that was the hardest part. I mean, even like moving to Mexico was not easy. We'll probably talk about some of that. But the hardest part was really just going, having to go and have that hard conversation with clients and say, hey, we're not doing tax prep anymore. Yeah. So. I guess a little bit of a process question, if you're kind of willing to share. So it sounds like, you know, you knew something had to change for your health, for your livelihood, knowing you being a numbers person, because I realized you hadn't really settled on Mexico at that point, or or I guess had you, because I I just am thinking of myself as I would be sitting there thinking, okay, I'm going to lose, I'm going to forego, not lose, I'm going to say no to this amount of income So then I'm going to have to live off this budget. And then do you go Mm -hmm. say, where in the world can I live off of this budget? Or did you kind of go look for a place and say, that's what a budget living here would look like? What would my business need to do to support that? I'm kind of curious about a little bit of a chicken and egg there. But which which (laughs) approach did you take? Because I know you're a numbers numbers person. Yeah. So it was more so of I thought about it from the perspective of conversion. Like I knew that I would be continuing to earn income in the United States. And so I was thinking, where is the U.S. dollar strong? Where is it where I can move? And a dollar in the United States will go a lot further than the local currency. That was a part of the thought process. So again, narrowing it down and looking at conversion rates, 
And then looking at close proximity, because I'm looking like, how am I going to get back if I need to go to Maryland to see my daughter? You know, how will I get there? You know, how long is that flight? If I need to go to South Florida to see my dad or Atlanta to see my mom, what does that look like? And so that was the only part of the process. And even with me being a numbers person and always kind of knowing the numbers, some of this stuff I didn't know. Like I totally, totally took a leap, but I knew like from my research and everything else that I would be able to save, not necessarily in my case, I wasn't saving money per month, but it was like live on less. And that, that was the whole goal, right? So when I said, yep, I'm getting out of here, I need to go live somewhere where I could live on less. And I knew that, you know, Mexico was going, was going to be that place. And then- How long did you spend researching potential places? I mean, I suppose you got narrowed in on countries and areas pretty quick because of that flight parameter, which makes a lot of sense. But then I know me. And so my husband has, we have also gone down this road before we've, we got real close to thinking about this. It was called a gentleman's coffee farm in Ecuador, which sounds, it just sounds great, right? Like, yes. Well, I don't know what that is, and I don't know how to be a coffee farmer, but I want to do that. So I guess I'm just kind of curious, how long did you spend in that research process, like in terms of weeks or months? Because I feel like I could get myself trapped there for a long time. Yeah, and I am I am totally the opposite. I am the person that I cannot plan something a year from now. Like people who plan weddings two years out, I'm amazed at that. I'm not that person. Like, it's like, we're getting married. All right, let's do it in two months. You know, <laughs> I'm, you know, that's, I, I'm that person. So essentially when I decide that I'm going to do something, I research it really hard and I make a fast decision. And it's kind of difficult to, to have friendships and relationships with other people because most people don't operate like that. And I am not always as patient, but for me, I started researching in February. I think I, I spent more time researching than I was doing taxes in February, bad me, but I was researching in February. I made a decision of my country in February. I got my visa in March and I left in April. All right. Well, there you go. See, so that's, (laughs) it's pretty fast. I mean, we can, I love it. All right. We got to take a break and hear from our sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the transition to Mexico and what that's been like. The Lawyer's Podcast is brought to you by Posh Virtual Receptionists. As an attorney, do you ever wish you could be in two places at once? You could take a call while you're in court, capture a lead during a meeting, or schedule an appointment with a client while you're elbow deep in an important case? Well, that's where Posh comes in. Posh is a team of professional, U.S.-based live virtual receptionists who are available 24-7, 365. They answer and transfer your calls so you never miss an opportunity. With Posh handling your calls, you can devote more time to billable hours and building your law firm. And the convenient Posh app puts you in total control of when your receptionist steps in. So if you can't answer, Posh can. And if you've got it, Posh is always just a tap away. With Posh, you can save as much as 40% off your current service provider's rates. Even better, Posh is extending a special offer to Lawyerist listeners. Visit Posh.com forward slash lawyerist to learn more and start your free trial of Posh Live Virtual Receptionist Services. That's posh.com forward slash lawyerist. And by Clio. What do solo and small firm lawyers with great client relationships have in common? 
They use cloud-based legal practice management software to run their law firms. This is just one finding from Clio's latest legal trends report. There's no getting around it. The fact is, when it comes to client expectations, standards are higher than ever before for lawyers. Proof is in the numbers. 88% of lawyers using cloud-based software report good relationships with clients. For firms not in the cloud, barely half can say that. That gap is significant. For more information on how cloud software creates better client relationships, download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com trends. That's Clio, spelled C-L-I-O, dot com slash trends. And by Gavel. In the next 10 years, 90% of legal services will be delivered online by lawyers. Gavel, previously called Documate, is the software platform for lawyers to build client-facing legal products. With Gavel, collect client intake, feed that data into robust document automation flows, and collect payments to scale your practice. Companies like Landlord Legal, JustTech, and Hello Divorce are built on Gavel for both internal and client-facing automation. Sign up for a free trial now at gavel.io slash partnership slash lawyerist and get $100 off your subscription. Or you can book a time at gavel.io slash partnership slash lawyerist to get a free consultation on incorporating automation into your practice. All right, I'm back with Bernadette. She decided in February she needed to move. And by April, you're in another country. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I left at the end of April, went on vacation because I already had a vacation plan. Went on vacation and from vacation, I went to Mexico. Mm-hmm. So I landed in Mexico in May. So okay, if that helps a little with the timeline. Well, I don't know. I mean, you just said you went from vacation to your new home and, and at the beach, basically, in Mexico. So, <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's okay. All right. What's been the hardest part so far of the journey? Hmm. The hardest part. The hardest part probably is that I don't speak Spanish. Yeah. That might surprise people that you chose to move to a Spanish-speaking country. Are you picking and it up? I don't up? speak Spanish. I am. I'm learning a little bit, and I'm I'm looking at classes. So I'm going to. I tried to do one-on-one lessons, but it didn't work for my learning style. So I think going to a class and interacting with other people is going to be better for me. I actually just emailed a company that does like classes here, so I'm going to to take a class. But even that being the hardest thing. It hasn't been terrible because people are very helpful and accommodating. Even if they don't speak English, they will pull out Google Translate and I pull out Google Translate. And so Google Translate has been my crutch and it's probably made me not as swift to get in a Spanish class because I've been able to get by without knowing Spanish. But that's probably been the hardest thing. Now, there have been challenges and there are things like that I miss from the United States that I don't have here, but it's been more good than bad, like yeah. a lot more good than bad. All right. We'll tackle some of those. What do you miss? What's on that list? I do have a list. I miss Target. <laughs> <laughs> I miss Target. I miss Chick-fil-A. Fair. I miss like TJ Maxx and Marshalls and Home Goods, like they don't have stores like that. But those are all places that would make me spend more money. Yeah. And they don't necessarily fit into my new healthy lifestyle. So I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. What is kind of surprised you the most about the change? 
I did hear that, you know, where I live is hot. I didn't realize that it was like hot every single day. (laughs) And I think that was one of the things that I didn't consider. I know Mexico is hot. I know, you know, I know where it is on the map and all of that. But I mean, it's not terrible hot. I've, I've definitely gotten used to it being hot. But cold here is 65 degrees Fahrenheit. That's cold. Yeah. And I mean, like people are like, there's severe weather warnings when it's, <laughs> when it, when it's that cold. So I remember when we had like some 65 degree weather and I thought, oh my gosh, I was able to sleep with my, my bedroom has a balcony. So I was able to like open my balcony door and just sleep with the door cracked and not turn on the air conditioning. It was great. And rugs, you were telling me like, you can't really like, everything's tile because of the heat and humidity and it molds. Yeah. So no, there's no carpet. My entire apartment is tile. And let me tell you when that became a huge problem. You know, if you saw my LinkedIn post about my, I did it jar. Well, my jar fell on the ground and broke (laughs) because it's tile. So thankfully I bought two jars. So I still have one. But I I bought two because I thought, oh, my year is going to be so great. I need two jars. And so I'm like, yeah, so that's the time when this tile thing doesn't necessarily kind of work out. But yeah, because of the humidity here, there's no carpet. So you can get like throw rugs if you want. Like I have rugs. I have a few throw rugs that rugs that I had in the States, but no carpet, all tile. And I have a lot of glass. Like I didn't I don't use plastic containers to store food. I had glass containers. So I'm like super, super, super careful. Like I can't break these, you know, so. Differences, right? Just things you don't always think of or yeah, appreciate. You don't think about yeah. and things or things that you just take for granted. Like my doors, the bedroom doors, the closet doors, things like that, they're all made of this really heavy wood. And again, it's because of the humidity, because other types of wood or the wrong type of wood can rot here. So thankfully I have really good furniture. Like my desk and everything is made out of real wood and it's not like that fake stuff because I don't think it would make it here. Yeah. Tell me about how has your life really changed? Because all of this kind of was predicated on a medical issue and realizing your stress level and your health and that you wanted to make a change. And I mean, in two months, basically, you made the change. Kudos to you. I mean, I say that with all the love in my heart because I'm impressed. (laughs) So what does life look like now for you? Like, and we'll share in a minute, you're sharing a lot of this on videos and on social so we can follow along. You have a whole bunch of videos on even everything from how you found your apartment and how you got your visa, all the like things that everybody probably wants me to ask, but I don't have time to ask. So I'm going to go with my fun questions. But but what does life look like now? What's happened? So it's definitely been a change. Just so health wise, I've lost 30 pounds. So I was overweight when I got here. So I lost 30 pounds and I've been able to get my blood pressure under control so that, you know, that's something that's good. Um, my therapist is very happy with me because I'm working <laughs> through some things that that I um, that I needed to work on. And, you know, even work-wise, there is a lot more balance. I've been working a four, 
well, I've had four day office hours for years, but now I'm actually sticking to it. So like the office is closed on Fridays and I'm actually not working on Fridays. And so I take Fridays to either do self-care stuff. I may go to the beach or just do something just for myself that, you know, sometimes it's going to the doctor, but whatever the case is, those are kind of my, my wellness days, days that I'm looking at kind of taking care of myself. And it's just been a huge, a huge, huge change. Food here is so much fresher. I found, so one of the things that I didn't recognize this, it took me a while, but even like when I bought meat here, like if I buy chicken or something like that, I kept saying, wow, it's so salty because of the seasonings that I would put on my food in the United States. The meat is so fresh that it doesn't need as much seasoning as I was using. And I think that's also kind of helped with you know, the blood pressure and all that kind of stuff and the weight loss or whatever. So for a minute, I just kept saying, oh man, I put too much on here. But what I realized is I was putting the same amount that I was putting on the food when I was in the United States, but the food is just very, very different. Like I went to a market one time, this kind of, kind of grossed me out a little bit, but I'm going to tell it. (laughs) So I went to this market one time and they actually had like fresh chickens just hanging yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so. Like you pluck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only thing that what they did and I have feathers, but the whole thing, you know, and so, and they had these really sharp knives and they were like, whack, 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 whack. You want chicken wings? Okay, here you go. You know, like, yeah, I got some chicken. It was really fresh and it was, <laughs> but I was kind of grossed out because when he was cutting my chicken wings, there was like a chicken head next to it. Yeah. Aww. so <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. Like, I don't even know where to go after that one. <laughs> so, but, you know, so stuff like that is, you know, those are some of the things that are kind of different good, you know, so like fresh vegetables, fresh fruit. I love mangoes. I grew up in South Florida. And so I grew up eating mangoes as a kid, like all summer long. And every time I go to like visit my family in South Florida, I'm like, you got any mangoes? You know, and so when I first moved here, it was mango season and I was able to get fresh mangoes like every single week. Go to, they call it the Frutera and go to the Frutera. And it's like just a little fruit stand. It's not that big. And you can get like fresh fruit, fresh vegetables but you can't buy too many because they'll spoil because they get, yeah. they're so fresh. Right. And I yeah. learned that lesson too, because I bought too much food one time because I was being a little pig. So, <laughs> And so, I mean, I guess I know this, but we should just clarify. I mean, you're still running your business. You had basically created a virtual business before you had left. So you still have your U.S. based business. That's what you're doing every day. You're able to do it virtually. Yeah. And that also impacted what kind of visa you had to get, right? Which was interesting. Yeah. So like you said, I'm still I'm still running my business. I've been in business for 21 years and I went virtual almost 10 years ago. Yeah. Had no idea why I was going virtual or whatever. And so I've been virtual for July of 2023 will make 10 years that I was virtual. So my clients didn't see me anyway. So when I left, 
nobody knew because we always did stuff on Zoom anyway. It's like, oh, you changed your office. That was that was kind of the whole thing. And I think I used the virtual background for a little while. But yeah, so those things never changed. And like you said, the visa that I have, so I'm a temporary resident in the state of Mexico, and I got a temporary residency based on the fact that I have income to support myself while I'm here. So I'm not coming here to like find a job or find income. So that was showing that I had salary from my company and all of that kind of stuff is what helped me to be able to get my visa. Yeah. So what would you tell someone kind of as we wrap this up that maybe they've been thinking about it, maybe they've kind of had that idea in their head, but it seemed to, to all the things fill in the blank, Mm -hmm. you know, What would you tell that person? I would say just be open-minded. It is very possible. I recognize that I am an overachiever. I recognize that I do stuff fast. Um, And so you don't necessarily have to do what I did or the timeline that I did it on. But everything that I did to get here is duplicatable. I wish that it was because I was so super smart or super connected or whatever. It was just just a commitment to just make this change, right? And so be open-minded and then trust that you can, you can do it too. Yeah, I love it. And then tell us where people, we'll put the link in the show notes, but you have some videos that you're doing where you're sort of explaining this process and just sharing all the fun things. And I was checking them out because you like when heard a band the other night. So there's there's it's all it's all kinds of stuff. I love it. It's been so yeah. fun to watch your journey. But where do we go to to find that? So my YouTube channel is Trust Bernadette. And on the YouTube channel, there is a playlist that's just my expat journey. So if you just want to see, I mean, there are accounting videos on there, too. But if you just want to see or if you're interested in the in the expat journey, I kind of walk you through. So I've done videos that, again, I announced it on YouTube, right? Yeah. And so the you the the announcement video got the most views. I think it got like eleven hundred views um, at its present time. You know, so people were like, "You're where?" You know, but I announced it on YouTube, and I've just kind of been chronicling my journal. And so I talk about healthcare. I talk about all of those kinds, of, and it's just been a lot of stuff that we just don't have time to talk about today. But you can check out those videos there and just see if it's something interesting. Even if, even if it's not Mexico that you're thinking about, those videos are helpful because it helps you to kind of understand some of the things like some of the things that I did, like as far as purging my house and, you know, things like that and getting my visa and doing all those different things. So, And just living a healthy life. I mean, our listeners don't see you, but you are absolutely glowing you. you know, you have been for months. I mean, I notice like kudos to you. I can see the difference in how you appear, right? Like how you look, but just also your presence, how you show up and you just exude joy, which you always have, but it's just this new fresh. It's different. Yeah, yeah it's just I this- definitely. I don't feel the same. I don't, you know, and I think about, I think about when we started working together and I think some crazy stuff was happening when we were getting, you know, when you were onboarding me with lawyers, you know. And so I just think about how crazy life was and how I had to show up in the craziness. Right. And just be who I needed to be at that particular time. But to now be able to show up minus the craziness is very nice. Very nice. 
Congrats. I love it. That's a great place to end. We'll have you back for more number stuff, but this was super fun. (laughs) Absolutely. Thanks for having me again. The Lawyerist Podcast is edited by Brittany Felix. Are you ready to implement the ideas we discuss here into your practice? Wondering what to do next? Here are your first two steps. First, if you haven't read the Small Firm Roadmap yet, grab the first chapter for free at Lawyerist.com forward slash book. Looking for help beyond the book? Let's chat about whether our coaching communities are right for you. Head to Lawyerist.com forward slash community forward slash lab to schedule a 10 minute call with our team to learn more. The views expressed by the participants are their own and are not endorsed by Legal Talk Network. Nothing said in this podcast is legal advice for you. Thank you.